It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We've got a great one for you here today on this Tuesday, August 11th, 2020, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Olenek, which took place on Saturday, August 8th. Uh, at the UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, good to be back with you guys here. We didn't do a show on, on Monday, so obviously coming back uh, here on Tuesday. Good to be back with you guys on this uh, most merriest of eves. It is my birthday eve, if that's even a thing. Uh, so I'll have my, uh, my birthday tomorrow. Um, so that'll be cool. We'll do a show tomorrow. Um, kind of weird though, kind of weird though, I'm turning 23, and, um, I don't know, I'm not really a birthday guy, you know what I mean, I've hit all the milestones, um, so it's, it's kind of weird, um, didn't really do anything for my last birthday, I'm not really gonna do anything for, uh, for tomorrow, might build the studio tomorrow, which will be interesting, so that, that could be something that's, uh, a little North Star related, but, uh, you know, I've turned 16, I've turned 18, I've turned 21, you know what I mean? If I've hit all the I've hit all the big milestones. You know what I mean? Like, what is it? Twenty five to rent a car, which is becoming increasingly more relevant for me as my fucking Mazda is a complete piece of shit. But um, which is a whole another whole another kettle of fish I have to deal with. But um, yeah, so so some fun stuff going on here at North Star Sports. Um, not really sure what the show tomorrow will be. Might just kind of be a general general news show. I'm sure that something will, will pop up in the news uh, that we can talk about. Maybe tomorrow we'll talk about uh, Dame Lillard. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do some NHL talkers um, as well. Uh, I, I know we've done the MMA Mount Rushmore um, before, but maybe I might touch on that tomorrow just because the, the you know, in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the lead up here to uh, the, the trilogy between DC and Stipe, uh, you know, the, the, these MMA Mount Rushmore talkers have never been more relevant. So uh, I might not, you know, do a full show on it like I did before, but I might just touch on it a little bit because I feel like people are getting it kind of wrong. You know what I mean? Like I saw on Tapology's page today, of course, I'm a headline reader when it comes to stuff like this. I didn't actually click on it because it's not, you know, doesn't really turn my gears. You know what I mean? But I saw uh, Big John said that Ronda Rousey was on the Mount Rushmore. Just, you know, it absolutely incorrect. I mean, I guess the Mount Rushmore is subjective to each person, but I you got to be smoking crack to think that Ronda Rousey's on uh, Mount Rushmore of anything. Um, but yeah, I, I might talk about that. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, today we got the recap of uh, last Saturday fights, last Saturday's fights, excuse me. Um, probably Thursday, this Thursday, we will do um, the preview of UFC, what is it, 252? I believe it's 252. Um, so that'll be a fun one, probably a really long one, because there's going to be a lot of talkers uh, going into that one. And then we'll have the Friday show. Hopefully we'll have the main card showdown. We did have it um, last week. Last, I mean, a couple of days ago we had it, but um, we didn't have the show. 
due to uh, scheduling issues. Um, but your boy, your boy's still the North Star Sports champ. As I uh, take a sip of coffee here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I'm still I'm still the champ. It feels good. Uh, you know what I mean? That's my second straight title defense. I'm undefeated. You know, yeah, yeah. There's two draws in there. You know what I mean? So. But, you know, we had the draw in the first ever showdown, but that was before the current rule sets, you know what I mean? That was, that was like Babe Ruth times, you know what I mean? We didn't have the 10-8s and 10-7s that we currently have, which reminds me, I still got to put the rules online. Um, so I'll do that at some point, just so that if people want to check out the rules, um, it, it, it's all in one spot. Um, and then, you know, we had the draw a couple of weeks ago, um, two fight cards ago, but, you know, that was... I'm just grateful to have the belt after that one because it was supposed to be a six-fight main card, which I love because I am confident with my ability over six six fights. But it went down to four, you know what I mean? So if you make one mistake, you're kind of fucked. So just to, you know, get the draw, you know, I'll take it because you got you to gotta wrestle it away from the champs, um, you know what I mean? So uh, that's interesting. Oh, that reminds me. There's a new rule. It was agreed upon under the, the new CBA, the new North Star CBA. Uh, there will not really be any more draws, uh, because me and Drew came to this conclusion. Uh, I'm not really a fan of it, although we've had two draws in our first four matchups. But, um, so starting now, starting now, um, if at the end of the main card showdown, we are tied, which would mean it would go to a draw, we will now look at your undercard predictions, and whoever has the, the, the better... Whoever has the most picks correct on the undercard, that will be used as the as the tiebreaker. Now, if if we both have the same amount of fights picked correctly on the undercard, then it's just a draw. Then there's nothing I can do about that. So draws are still possible uh, because if if we draw on the main card and we go to the tiebreaker and we're tied, then it's a draw. But this this will kind of ensure that there's for the most part always going to be a winner. I would say. The chances that me and Drew draw on the main card and then go on to draw on the prelims, it's probably like 5% of the time. So th- there will be some draws, that no doubt. I mean, you know, Drew's going to get better. Uh, or maybe not. You know, the mailman's pretty fucking good at the main card showdown. But, um, you know, if, if he ever comes up with his uh, arch nemesis to the mailman, you know, may- maybe he wins one of these times. Maybe maybe I'll let him win one of these times and, and you know... I don't know. I, I still feel like draws are gonna be are gonna be relevant, but you know, I don't know. See, it's, it's kind of like moving the octagon into a smaller cage at at the apex. You know, it just creates more action. We're not gonna we're not gonna get as many draws because the you know the the battlefield's closing down. So uh, that is that is a new rule that we we came up with. So um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. And you know, at some point, at some point, you know, this might be a listener thing too. Uh, you know, I know we got some very loyal listeners coming from China. I don't think I don't see you guys listening in China. Thanks for tuning in, because I I see my demographics. I see China tuning in. I see I see Canada. T- For some reason, Virginia tunes in a lot. So, shout out to whoever the fuck is listening in Virginia. Got a got a nice state out there. For for the most part, obviously not as good as the North Star State. Um, but ultimately, my goal with this is to create kind of like a league. You know what I mean? I'd love... I So if we're going to expand, we have to have two more people because we have to have people doing showdowns. We have to have everybody who's in this competition face each other 
each week. So it has to be, you know, even numbers. But I'd like to get four people to do this so that we have a championship matchup and then we have like an undercard matchup. You know what I mean? So if if you if you win the championship fight, then you move on and you face the winner of the undercard and that's that's just kind of how it goes every single week. So it's you know, it's not so that it's not just not only me and Drew doing it every single week. You know, maybe we kind of create a mini league out of it. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I feel like it's a fun game. You know, we're still kind of working out the kinks, but you know, I think I think it's re- I think it's really fun. I think it has a uh, big potential. So, you know, if if a fan wants to do it, maybe we'll get uh, Reagan Hooverman to do it. You know what I mean? He's not an MMA guy, but you know, I'm sure he could do two minutes of research and make some picks. You know, just looking at betting odds or fuck it, I don't even care. He could just randomly pick. I don't give a shit. He could just totally randomly pick. I don't care if he makes good picks. It just means I win more often. So. You know, maybe we'll get Reagan Hooverman uh, involved, but you know, th- this is kind of down the line stuff. You know, we're still what are we? We're only on NSS four, I think. That's what's coming up this weekend. So we're we're only on N- 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 Jesus. That is a tongue twister. We're only on North Star Sports four. So you know, it's still in its infancy, but uh, I- I'm excited about it. Um, but I think that's all the housekeeping. Uh, that we have to do here, so uh, we'll waste no more time here. We'll get right into this uh, recap of UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Olenek. We'll start here in the main event, so Derek Lewis knocks out Alexi Olenek uh, in the second round. Uh, what is that? Pretty early in the second round. I, I always get my... Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I always get my times incorrect. Uh, I always think it's the opposite of what it says. Um, but a good performance by Derek Lewis. Uh, you know, like I said, going into that fight, the the heavyweight division is a very bipolar division. You never really know what to expect because with one punch, the fortunes of the fight could change. Now, obviously, that's true in any division, but it's especially true in the heavyweight division. And these are two bipolar motherfuckers when it comes to their, their fight career. You know what I mean? Olenek will look on top of the world one fight, and then the next fight, he'll get knocked out in like 12 seconds by Walt Harris. You know what I mean? Derek Lewis will get grapple-fucked by by Ilir Latifi. And make no mistake, I thought Derek Lewis lost to Blagoy Ivanov, and I thought he lost to uh, Ilir Latifi. So in my mind, Derek Lewis coming into this fight was on a four-fight losing streak. Cormier, Dos Santos, Ivanov, Latifi. You know what I mean? Whatever, judges went, you know, the other way. Fair enough, man. But I really thought he 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 didn't win those two fights. Now, there was no controversy in this fight. He definitely knocked out Olenek. Um, crafty. I mean, dude, this guy's like over 70 fights. What is that? 74 fights? Uh, 75 after he completed this one. So, you know, I see a lot of people going, well, he's got 14 losses. Yeah, but he's got 59 wins. You know what I mean? Like, if you, like, we, we think of, like, good MMA records as, like, 22 and 3 and stuff like this. Yeah, just as, just, you know, extrapolate that to Olenek's record, you know what I mean, this guy, this guy fought Chael P, you know what I mean, he fought Uncle Chael back in 2006 in fucking Bodog, you know what I mean, um, so Olenek's tough, he's still always going to be around, and, you know, Olenek, I think he's 43, honestly, Olenek could probably fight till he's like 47, because he's a ground guy, you know what I mean, so, it's like Verdum, you know, we all thought, and fair enough, I thought Gus was going to run through him, but if you if you're a grappler in the heavyweight division, 
fuck, you're just going to get X amount of wins just because you're a tough matchup stylistically. Most heavyweights have dog shit grappling, you know, when it comes to, you know, the, the level of a Fabricio Verdum or an Alexi Olenek or a, a Curtis Blades, you know what I mean? These guys are just going to ragdoll, you know, X amount of matchups that they're in. Obviously, you know, there's only so far you can go with only being a grappler or, you know, primarily being a grappler. Like, obviously, you know, Blades kind of found his ceiling with his two knockout losses to Ngannou, which makes no sense, you know what I mean? Because you look at Ngannou, well, he got grapple-fucked by Stipe. So, you, you on paper, you should go, yeah, Bl- Blades is going to just ragdoll him. But in both of the fights, he knocked him out in, like, under two minutes in both of his fights. So, it... Sometimes, you know, MMA matchups, they say matchups make fights, but sometimes, sometimes it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, now, let me pull up the, the North Star Sports rankings here, because there were a couple of changes, um, not not very big ones, not very big ones, except for the co-main event, which uh, we'll get to in a minute. Um, but we did not move Derek Lewis up in the rankings. So, um, See, this is why I love my website. This is why I love NorthStarSports.media. Everything's so easy to find. It's not a convoluted mess like, you know, ESPN's website or, or uh, you know, Bleacher Report's website. I mean, ugh, you know, those websites make me want to throw up. You know, this website's, you know, this is where the, the real, the real underdog cats go to. Whatever the fuck that means. Um, but we didn't move Derek Lewis up in the ranking, so he was already at number four. We're keeping him at number four. Um, you know, Olenek is a very tough fighter, but he was ranked number 10 in North Star's rankings. So Derek Lewis beat a guy who was significantly ranked lower than him. And I look at the guys ahead of him. I can't move him ahead of those guys. So one, two, and three are Cormier, Ngannou, and Blades. Tell me how Derek Lewis with a win over Olenek is going to get, you know, get ranked higher than Blades or Ngannou. Ngannou, if this trilogy wasn't going on, is probably your fucking champion. Blades. So, like, I look at the heavyweight top four with, you know, with Lewis winning this fight. The heavyweight top four is so firmly entrenched. It's so solid, the top four. Each of those fighters are so pigeonholed into those positions. There's no possible way you could argue Cormier is not the number one contender. Obviously, he was the heavyweight champ and lost to Stipe and beat Derek Lewis. Nganu, there's no way you could convince me Nganu's not the number two contender in this division. He's just murdered Dos Santos, murdered Overeem, uh, murdered Velasquez. You know what I mean? Just ran through these guys. Murdered, murdered Rosenstrike. Number three, Curtis Blades. There's no way you can tell me he's not number three. He's, re- you know, knocked out. He knocked out JDS. You know what I mean? He ragdolled. Uh, who the fuck did he ragdoll? Volkov. You know what I mean? So when I look at the heavyweight top four, more so than any other division's top four, I'm just like, yep, you, <laughs> they got the order perfect. You know what I mean? That's exactly how it is. So I, I can't move Lewis ahead of Blades. Blades, Blades has done too much work. It's done too much work. Um, so that's how it has to be. Now, we did move Olenek down one spot from 10 to 11 because he did lose, but it was to the number four guy, so we're not going to punish him too hard. I still think he's done more than the guys ahead of, or behind him. So he's still ahead of a Shamil Abdurakimov, uh, a Blagoy Ivanov, you know, guys like this. Um, so then he, he flip-flops spots, essentially, with Augusto Sakai. So Sakai is now number 10. Um, 
yeah, that was all. That was all I had on on, on uh, the heavyweight rankings there. But um, you know, it, it was it was a good fight. It was interesting when Olenek took him down, and you know, maybe maybe if Olenek had twenty more seconds at the end of the first round, maybe he would have you know finished that choke. You know, Olenek's fucking dangerous, man. There's only you can perform valiantly, but fuck, man, he's called the boa constrictor for a reason. You know, like. Uh, I, I, signature performance. I understand it's not against the the best fighter in the world, but you know, he was a glory kickboxer, Maurice Green. You know, Olenek was just squeezing that motherfucker for two rounds pretty much straight. You know what I mean? And and props to Maurice Green cuz I do think he'll be a problem cuz he's tall as hell, his striking's really good. I think if he works on his cardio, um who the fuck did he just fight? It's going to bug me. Uh but I, I liked his last performance. Um oh, uh John John Vellante. Um, you know, that was a little bit of a sloppy performance, but I, I really do like, um, you know, the skill set Maurice Green brings. So I understand, you know, when you talk about Olenek beating Green, well, you know, Green's not a top 10 guy, but he's still a tough guy. And Olenek, he had a game plan. He he imposed his will. You know what I mean? He he imposed his will on him. So, you know, that's a signature Olenek uh, victory in, in my mind. Um, but, you know, this guy stays active and I know he's a little older, but Shit, he's a crafty veteran. I mean, you see him putting his legs up on the cage. I've never seen that before. That's interesting, you know. But to get the blood to go back to where it needs to be, you know, I've seen I've seen Olenek and, and other guys, you know, like flap their arms and stuff like that, and or, or have somebody shake their arms in between rounds, you know, to try to get the blood, you know, uh, out of the arms. Um, but shit, I mean, you know, th- th- this guy is one of the more active guys in the heavyweight division now. It's a little scary because he does get knocked out a lot. So he got knocked out by Lewis on Saturday. Got knocked out in a pretty, well, in a bad way. Not a pretty bad way, but in a bad way. It's still a knockout to, to Walt Harris. Got knocked out by Overeem. Uh, you know what I mean? Those two happened in 2019. So, you know, Olenek has a lot of victories, but, you know, it, it should come as no surprise that, you know, him being a, a, a you know, an elite level, I really do mean elite level grappler, that he doesn't lose by choke, so if he loses, you know, especially at the heavyweight division, it's going to be knockouts, so, you know what I mean, it kind of, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of tough, because Olenek seems like a funny guy, you know what I mean, obviously there's kind of a language barrier, there. actually I don't even know if he speaks English, um, you know, but he seems like a, a funny guy, um, you know what I mean, but it, it, I don't know, it's tough to see him get knocked out pretty frequently not not I guess not KOs I mean these have all been you know TKOs but I don't know he's, he kind of takes a lot of damage when, in his losses uh which is a, a little a little concerning um but I do like that he came in I think lighter than he usually come in usually comes in uh he weighed in at 227 which I think is interesting I actually think that's kind of the way to go you know you look at uh, DC uh, I, I think on his interview or on his show with uh, Ariel Helwani, I think he said he, he's weighing he weighed in uh, the day of the that they um, were doing the show at like two thirty seven or something. That's interesting, you know. Like, and and I, it's very heartening to kind of tie this back to this this fight on Saturday to hear Derek Lewis say, "I don't want to take another fight until I get my weight under control. I'd like to lose fifteen to twenty pounds." Um, that's good to hear because when was the last time? Honest question, I don't really know. But when was the last time the heavyweight champ came in at the limit? Has to be a really long time. I don't. Th- I don't think you really can do that anymore. You know what I mean? To be two sixty five. 
I don't know. I guess it's one thing if you're like 6'8", you know what I mean? Because then, all right, fair enough, you're just a really big heavyweight. Um, but I don't know. Most most of the heavyweight champs in UFC history typically have came in at around 240. So, you know what I mean? You're allowed to weigh in at 266, 265, I guess, for, for championship bouts. Um, but it doesn't really behoove you. We haven't really seen a heavyweight have a lot of success weighing in at 265, at least at the highest level, the championship level. Um, so that, that that's interesting. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what a Derek Lewis would look like at 240. You know, cardio's kind of been an issue for him. I kind of remember. Uh, I remember this fight vaguely because it was it was right when I started to get into MMA. But his main event with uh, Mark Hunt um, in I want to say Brisbane. This might have been 2016. You know, just gassed out and that's kind of saying something gassing out against mark hunt you know because he's not really known for his gas tank either um so i don't know i mean Derek lewis with cardio you know losing 20 pounds a little more spry on his feet ah you know i don't know that's that's interesting man i mean him him not being a high level or or a, a good wrestler is always gonna kind of be the the chink in his armor because you know when you get a title shot against a guy like dc or something and you know, that just wasn't even competitive at all. And that was DC with a bad back. So, you know what I mean? Like I said, if you have a really solid wrestling background and you're a heavyweight, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to go far. You're, you're going to go far. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting to see what's next for, for Lewis. Um, obviously there will be a lot more clarity to the heavyweight division come, uh, this Saturday, but I don't, I don't really know what's next for him. Maybe a fight with Curtis Blades. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, what plays out over the next, say, six months for uh, Derek Lewis. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, uh, we had the All-American Chris Weidman winning a unanimous decision victory over Omari Akhmedov. Um, props to Chris Weidman. You know, I guess we shit on him a lot. Not really. I don't really have anything against Chris Weidman, to be honest. I just call it like I see it. I mean, he got knocked out a lot. I mean, I use the term Weidman knockout because those are not normal knockouts. They're vicious, brutal knockouts. Um, but it's good to see him get back in the win column. You know, it's it's kind of cringe for me watching Weidman lose all these fights in a row. I couldn't even imagine how cringe it is for him. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, oh, man, you just get a win. Just get a win. And fair play, man, because Akhmedov... I don't think anybody thinks this guy's a murderer, but he was number 10 in the middleweight division. Thank fuck. Thank fuck. The only silver lining of the coronavirus is that Chris Weidman did not have to face Jack Hermanson in the main event of UFC Oklahoma City back in, I want to say, May of 2020, uh, because he would have been fucking... He would have gotten he would have got beaten a bad way. I don't think he would have got knocked out, but I think he would have got ragdolled and fucking grounded, pounded into oblivion by Hermanson. So it's kind of tough because he seems like he really wants to make another uh, crack at the title. I do not see that happening. I really, really don't because I think the sport has kind of passed him by. He didn't really look great. He, he for sure won. He for sure won. But you know that was kind of a snooze fest there with Akhmedov. But um, so I, I don't have a whole lot to say on the fight because it was pretty fucking boring. Chris relied on his wrestling, which fair play. He probably should have done that more in his last five fights where he's been knocked out. 
the the one win he had over the last like five years, the win, the the submission went over Kelvin Gastelum. He relied on his wrestling and obviously got the only win he's had outside of this one in the last five years. So, you know, if Chris Weidman wants to kind of you know rely on his wrestling base, I, I don't see any problem with that. I'd say that's an incredibly smart strategy. Why stand up, you know, with with strikers? So, um, when when it comes to Chris Weidman's future, the the one thing I'll say so. Uh, that was the that was the big move in the rankings I kind of was talking about before. So Chris Weidman is now ranked number nine in the middleweight division. Um, we moved Akhmedov from ten to eleven. Now, I know some people might disagree with me ranking Chris Weidman at number nine um, because this is only one one win over Omari Akhmedov. Look at his losing streak. That's very true, but he beat the number ten guy in the world. So if you if you beat the number ten guy in the world, it stands the reason that you probably there probably should be consideration that you're the number ten guy in the world since you just beat that guy. And the reason I put him at number nine uh, instead of ten over guys like Omari or excuse me, well obviously Omari Akhmedov, but over like so Uriah Hall is ranked number ten, and then we have Weidman at nine. Why is Weidman ranked ahead of Uriah Hall? Well, I started looking at. So, number one, he beat Akhmedov, who was number 10. But I look at Uriah Hall. Dude, mid, the middleweight division, number 10 through number 15, there are some good fighters in there, but they're young in their career. They're not, they don't have a great resume. So, I looked at Hall's w- wins. I mean, shit, this guy has, his last two wins are over, uh, be- one for sure over Bevan Lewis, uh, Bavon Lewis, and then... Fuck, who did he who was the other guy? Oh, uh Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr. So his last two wins are and this just speaks to how shallow middleweight is from ten to fifteen. His last two wins are over guys who aren't ranked. And, and you know, over not that good of fighters. So one win from Weidman over the number ten guy. U- Uriah Hall doesn't have a victory recently over the, over anyone who would be, you know, considered the number ten guy. So I just kind of felt that the the, because I don't, I don't I look at your recent track record. I don't, I don't look at your track record from four years ago. You know what I mean? I look at generally it's what you've done the last two years is what I take into consideration for rankings. So Weidman getting a victory over the number ten guy, yeah, that's more impressive over the last two years than anything Uriah Hall has done. That's more impressive than anything over the last two years that Edmund Shabazian has done. That's why Shabazian's at twelve and Weidman's at nine. You know, Shabazian will be the better fighter. He, you know, you know what I mean. He will be ranked higher than Weidman two years from now because I think Shabazian's going to explode. He just had the setback versus Brunson. There's plenty of plenty of really good fighters that I I personally love that are ranked below Weidman right now. But when it comes to the rankings right now, it's hard to argue with Weidman being number nine because that one victory over a, a ranked guy is more than a lot of these guys have. Tell tell me when Ian Heinish has beat the number ten guy in the middleweight division. He hasn't. He's had a couple of ranked wins. I really, really like Ian Heinish. I really like him. I, his victory against GM3 was flawless. I love Brendan Allen. I think that guy could be a future champ. I love Marvin Vittori. That, I, I mean, everybody everybody always says it, but he went to the split decision with Israel Adesanya. I love... There's a lot of young Lions ranked 10 through 15. But, again, I, I can't rank you based on your projections. I got to rank you on right now. So... You know, I might be controversial, but Chris Weidman, number nine. Sorry. 
I mean, you know what I mean? So, I, I kind of kind of tying it back to to Weidman's future. Um, so I I'm going under the assumption he wants to be a champion because that's what he says. That's what he's telling us. Okay. So even right now, personally, I would tell Chris Weidman to retire. But if I'm going under the mindset that we want Chris Weidman to be a champion again, how do we get him there? How do we get him there? Now, I think he's never going to get there because I think whoever the middleweight champ is, whether or not it's Adesanya or Costa or Whitaker, I think he's going to get absolutely smashed. But okay, how do I get him there? All right, well, if I'm team Chris Weidman, I don't want him to face Jack Hermanson. I think he'll get absolutely destroyed. I don't want him to face the winner of Uriah Hall and Yoel Romero if the winner's Yoel Romero. If it's Uriah Hall, okay, then we'll fight Uriah Hall. But if it's Yoel Romero, ah, that didn't go good for us at UFC 205. So when I look at the rankings right now, I'm... Now again, this guy's a good fighter. I'm not trying to say he's a can. He's a good fighter. But but if I'm Chris Weidman and I'm trying to cherry-pick my way to the title, I'm calling out Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson, after his win over Shabazian, is ranked number five in the North Star Sports middleweight division. I'm calling him out. I don't want to fight Darren Till. I don't want to fight Hermanson. I don't want to fight Cannoneer. I don't want to fight Costa. I don't want to fight any of these guys. Obviously, some of those guys I just read are obviously, you know, currently training for, for the fights they have on their schedule. But I want to fight Brunson. Now, that's still going to be tough because Brunson does have power, and Brunson is a wrestler. But I think Chris Weidman's wrestling potentially might be better than Brunson. I'm not going to say that as a fact because I don't I don't know maybe Brunson out wrestles him, but if if Weidman's going to win that fight it probably comes from wrestling, um. And and I know Brunson, the way he talks he probably wants to look up in the rankings not down in the rankings, but I could probably sell Brunson on a main event for a fight night versus Chris Weidman because Weidman's a big name even though he's he's you know, lost a lot of fights lately, and he's a former champ. So, okay, do we think, realistically, do we think Brunson's going to fight somebody in the top four in his next fight? Probably not, dude. Probably not. I don't think the UFC has grand plans for Derek Brunson. So, likely, Brunson's still going to have to fight somebody below him in the rankings. I kind of targeted the winner of Romero and Hall. That would make sense because Brunson's fought those guys before. So both of those fights would be a rematch. But surprisingly, because I was surprised by this, uh, but I guess it would have made sense if I thought about it, but Brunson's never faced Weidman. For as active as those two guys were in the middleweight division for a long time, they've never fought. So that, that would be an interesting, fresh matchup. It's against Weidman, a guy who's in the top 10, and it's against a former champ. So it's a, a bit of a legacy fight for Derek Brunson. So if I'm trying to get Chris Weidman to be champ again, you beat Brunson, you call out the champ. Now, again, obviously that's where this plan's going to fall apart because when you call out, we'll just say Israel Adesanya beats Costa just for the sake of this hypothetical. When you call out Adesanya, okay, now you have to fight Adesanya and you're going to get smoked. But, you know, that that's that's how I'd try to play it. Um, ah, that's disgusting. Just got an alert on my phone that says uh, the Big Ten cancels the fall season. So that's uh, fucking disgusting. Um, and very unfortunate, very sad. Um well, shit. I guess that's a talker for uh, tomorrow's show. Is the Big Ten canceling? Because uh, we didn't do any prep on that here for uh, today's show. But that's uh, that's unfortunate. 
Uh, moving on here, I'll try to go a little faster. I know I've been rambling on uh, a little bit. We had uh, Darren Stewart uh, defeating Maki Patolo uh, via submission, a guillotine choke. Um, yeah, I was wrong about that fight. I, I said on the preview, you know, the somebody in this fight is getting knocked the fuck out. Uh, nobody got knocked the fuck out. It, you know, it was a submission. So, um, good for Darren Stewart. Uh, obviously had some unfortunate stuff happen, um, in his personal life. Um, I don't think Baki Patolo is a good fighter. Probably shouldn't be in the UFC. Um, so interesting there. Uh, we also had on the main card here, Yana Kunitskaya, uh, defeating, uh, we'll go Julia Stolyarenko. Uh, by unanimous decision, I believe one or two of the judges scored it at a 30-26. wasn't uh, wasn't a very thrilling fight. Kunitskaya, from what I saw, I, I didn't watch the whole fight because I don't really watch boring fights. Um, although interesting, interesting that she's the girlfriend, maybe wife? Question mark of uh, of Thiago Santos. I didn't know that. Uh, that's interesting. That's that's quite the combo. Uh, I like that. That's interesting. Thiago Santos from Brazil. I looked up where Kunitskaya's... I knew she was from Russia, but I looked up her hometown. Ah, it's like as north of Russia as you can go. Uh, right right on... Uh, I guess I guess it still would be the Scandinavian Peninsula. Uh, kind of that little... Um, that little bump uh, where Russia meets Finland. She's like from one of the like, northernmost cities in Russia. So that that's an interesting combo there. I like that. That's that's a good a good aesthetic. Two two nice looking people. Um yeah, I solid performance. I don't know what a win over Stolyarenko does for you uh, other than moving her up in the North Star rankings one spot. So, uh we moved here from 8 to 7. Uh she flip-flops spots with uh Ketlin Vieira, um who I think is scheduled for a fight coming up in the next couple of weeks, I think. Uh, but she's been relatively inactive since her loss to Irene Aldana, and he, even the loss to Aldana, I think like, f- I think she had a f- like a 14 month layoff before uh, the fight with Aldana. So, yeah, we, we moved uh, Kunitskaya up in the rankings. Um, so that's that's good for her. Um, opening the main card, we had a uh, K. Well, I, I guess it's a KO. I guess it's a KO. Benil Dariush KOs Scott Holtzman uh, by spinning back fist. I think they said on the broadcast that was the seventh spinning back fist knockout in UFC history. Um, so a solid win for Benny. We moved him up in the rankings uh, just at the, at the onset of uh, the conversation here. Uh, he was number 15. We moved him up to number 13. So we moved him ahead of Drew Dober and Donald Cerrone. Um yeah, and, and, and Drew Dober's pretty hot right now, um, but Dariush does have a victory over Dober, I believe, going back to, oh, I want to say, I want to say, like, October of 2018, so, you know, the, Dariush has a recent-ish victory over Dober, so it makes sense that he would be ahead of him in the ranking, so, uh, good for Benny, that was, that was a, that was a tough, that was a tough shot, I mean, that, that was tough. Um, a, a dangerous strike to throw, no doubt. Uh, just ask Paul Felder, you know what I mean? Because you really have to get your range correct because you you really want to hit him with your with your fist. It's a spinning back fist. You really want to hit him with your with your fist because if if you do a spinning back fist and the fighter's 
you know, Holtzman's a little too close to you. Ah, then it's a spinning back wrist, and then you then you break your arm. You, you know what I mean? So it's it's a it's a very dangerous strike because you know that. I mean, that's why Felder lost to Paul Fair, Paul Ferry, Jesus, Mike Perry. That's why Paul Felder lost to Mike Perry, Michael Perry. Um, you know, and it was still a split decision, but he did it with one arm. I mean, that's a tough, tough strike to throw, but, um, you know, a good win for, for Darius, obviously Holtzman's not ranked, um, you know, but he, he was surging a little bit. He was surging a little bit. So, um, I was, I was shocked on the preview show how young Darius still is. He's only 31. Um, so that, and you know, most, I mean, everybody's different, but most, most UFC fighters probably peak around 33, 34. So, you know, theoretically, this is still a guy who's who's got some improving to do, and he's already pretty firmly entrenched in the lightweight rankings, which are arguably the deepest in the UFC. So, you know, some interesting matchups could be next for, for Dariush. I mean, just kind of spitballing here, looking at the rankings. I mean, you know what I would like to see with Dariush? You know, it's been a hot, it's been a hot minute since we've seen uh, Gregor Gillespie. He's, st- he's ranked at number 11. We haven't seen him since his knockout loss to uh, Kevin Lee at 244. Why don't we do that? That's that's two spots higher than Dariush currently is. It would get Gillespie back in the cage, try to get him another victory, try to ha- have Dariush climb the rankings. I think that'd be a, a really interesting matchup that I, I'd like to see um, that I, I don't really think anybody else is, is calling for. Obviously, you have Islam Makachev, who nobody wants to fight. Um, so, you know, there, there's always... Listen, you could you could for the most part match up anybody at lightweight against anybody at lightweight within the top fifteen, and and probably just have a really solid really solid fight. So, you know, don't exactly know what's next for Dariush, um, but it's gonna be something decent. It's gonna be something decent. Um, going here on the prelims, we had a uh, unanimous decision victory for Tim Means over Loriano Staropoli. Um, Sucks for the UFC. They've really been trying to push this kid out of Argentina, Staropoli. Uh, they tried to push him, and I guess successfully, against Thiago Alves. He beat Thiago Alves about a year ago. Um, but Tim Means is, is a tough fighter. I mean, you know, this is this is the dirty bird. You know what I mean? Any Anybody from River Falls, shout out River Falls. You know what I mean? They they, they know about the dirty bird. They know about dirty birds over there in River Falls. Trust me. I've, I've met many. I've met many a dirty bird. In, in the lovely city of, of River Falls, Wisconsin, you know what I mean. Whether it's whether it's Dirty Bird football, whether it's Dirty Bird hockey, you know what I mean, or or whether it's it's Dirty Bird, Dirty Birds, you know what I mean. Uh, some dirty motherfuckers down there in River Falls, you know what I mean. Shout out, shout out, Bull Man, shout out, Thick Boy, you know what I mean. Shout out, uh, uh, TM, you know, sh- shout out to everybody who needs a shout out in in River Falls, Wisconsin. Um, that's pretty much all I gotta say on on Tim Means. Uh, good for him. Another another victory. Solid veteran. Uh, seems seems to be a likable guy. Uh, just like Benil Dariush. Um, also here on the prelims we had a vicious vicious knockout, third round knockout, uh, by Kevin Holland on uh, Joaquin Buckley. Forgot how they said it on the broadcast. We'll go Joaquin Buckley. Um. Don't know who Buckley is, just kind of a short-notice guy for Holland after the fight with Trevin Giles uh, went out. Uh, I like Kevin Holland a lot. He was our lock of the week. Uh, we got back on track after two unsuccessful lock of the weeks because uh, we picked Shabazian and Gustafson. 
um, which should tell you that, you know, lock of the week is not always lock of the week, but, you know, we're back on track. Um, I fucking love me some Kevin Holland. This guy is just pure gold. He's great on interviews. I saw his interview with the Schmo. I liked his interview uh, on the on the broadcast. Seems seems to be a really f- a funny guy. You know what I mean? Talking with Buckley. That was an interesting fight. It was it was closer than I kind of expected. Although Holland was kind of always in control, and then just really hit him with that that vicious knockout punch. That that punch was thunderous on Buckley. So good for him. Like I said, you know the, the circumstances are the circumstances. You know what I mean? With fighters falling out and stuff like that. Holland can't control this. But I would love to see a step up in competition for Kevin Holland. Hopefully that's what they do next for him. I liked how he said he's trying. he really respects Cowboy Cerrone and is trying to be the next Cowboy. You know, this guy who's always active, takes fights in multiple divisions. Um, he's a problem at 185. He might, he might be a real fucking problem at 170. Going into this fight, I said Kevin Holland, as it stands right now, August 11th, 2020... Kevin Holland is a top five striker at middleweight. You know what I mean? I, I guess we'll truly find out when we see him fight a ranked guy, which I think should be next for him. But fuck me, this guy is a excellent striker. You know, long, rangy, not necessarily lanky though. You, you know what I mean? He's six foot three. He is long, but he, he's not. I'd be very curious to know how much weight he's gonna have to cut to go down to one seventy. Not that he can't, not that he can't do it, obviously, but. He's kind of fucking jacked, you know what I mean? Like for a guy, if I were to if I were to say to you, you know, middleweight who wants to fight at 170, six foot three, long, I mean, you'd probably go, oh, so you know, he's got the body of an Israel Adesanya, or or you know what I mean? Uh, he he's he's a beanpole, but you know, not really, not really with Kevin Holland. So you know what I mean? It's unfortunate he couldn't fight Trevin Giles or Ed Herman. I think those would have been major step up. Uh, step ups in competition compared to a Joaquin Buckley, but you know what I mean. In in these coronavirus times, you know what I mean. Like, you just got to take whatever you can take. So, uh, shout out to Kevin Holland and great nickname too. Great nickname, the Trailblazer. Just Chef Kiss, Chef's Kiss. Perfect, perfect nickname. Um, moving on here, we had a unanimous decision victory here for Nasrat Hackparast over Alex Munoz. Um, I watched this one a little bit. Uh, competitive, close, back and forth, um, striking affair. Very clear that Nasrat was winning that fight. I forget what the I forget what the scorecards read. I want to say 30-27. Um, it was very evident in that third round. Nasrat was landing two or three shots, you know, for Munoz's one shot. You know, he Munoz was kind of wearing it not so great. You know what I mean? Obviously, tough guy, and uh, you know, even though I think Munoz is older than Nasrat, Nasrat certainly has more UFC experience, and certainly has more MMA experience. Um, so good to see him get back to, to his winning ways. This, this is a very legitimate prospect, a guy whose hype was kind of diminished a little bit over the last year, but, you know, now he's back to his winning ways and, uh, you know, very talented guy. And obviously, you know, kind of turned it into target practice versus Munoz. You know, Munoz, this was a guy who fought Nick Newell on the Contender Series, uh, fighting out of Team Alpha Male, so... You know, keep your eye on Alex Munoz. He's very young in his UFC career, so you know it's certainly possible that he he could, uh, you know, maybe go on a run, uh, you know, and, and string together some wins here in the UFC. But Nasrat, you know, he's only 24. He's still only 24, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, coming out of TriStar, and and this was a guy like I said, um, 
his hype kind of got derailed with the Drew Dober loss um, in January. Uh, got knocked out pretty badly. You know, we talked about it a few minutes ago, Drew, Drew Dober's, you know, rise here. And, and you know, obviously he fell one spot in the rankings because Darius got a victory. But Drew Dober's still ranked. He's number 14 in the lightweight division. Three-fight finish streak. So, you know what I mean? That I guess we didn't appreciate how good Drew Dober was back in January, but I think now we realize how, how much of a problem that guy can, uh, uh, can be. So, you know, whatever you take one on the chin quite literally. And, you know, you bounce back, uh, with a win over, uh, Alex Munoz, uh, moving on here. Uh, we have a, br- another brutal knockout, Andrew Sanchez, the power of the mullet knocking out Wellington Terman. um, I don't know. Good to see a win for Andrew Sanchez. This is a guy who I've kind of struggled to to figure out what is just what to make of his career. Uh, you know what I mean? He's got he's got certainly has some wins in the UFC, but you know he's also got some losses. But his losses came to Anthony Smith and Marvin Vittori. You know what I mean? His, his record's not super impressive. Um, you know, but just kind of put it on Wellington Terman and. Man, that finishing sequence was just fucking brutal. Just brutal. Just, um, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of, kind of reminded me of the um, Figueredo knockout of Benavidez the first time in the first fight back in February. You know, um, obviously it, it's a little different because Benavidez was circling around the cage and uh, Terman was just more or less kind of standing in front of him. But just kind of that step in, step in punch where you really lean everything into your punch, uh, and I believe for Benavidez it was it was his right hand that did it, that 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 was the kill shot, and I believe for Sanchez I'm trying to visualize it yeah it must have been his right hand that he stepped in with so just kind of that stalking down your opponent a little bit this one was a little more in the in the pocket although there was some space that that. El Durte Sanchez had to had to you know cover for the knockout, but just stepping in with all your all your power, you know that that Illinois power, and uh, you know the legendary Illinois power, you know all, all all these people talk about the the boy. I sure hope he's from Illinois, otherwise I just fucking wasted this reference. But you know everybody talks about the legendary Polish power of Jan Blachowicz, but you know what I mean that that Illinois power, you know what I mean that's that's. Uh, Actually, I might have fucked that up because it says he's fighting out of Missouri. So, uh, that you know, that legendary Mizzou power, you know what I mean? Basically, what I'm trying to say, that legendary upper Midwest, you know, type of strength, you know what I mean? That, that That's what really was on, on display. Uh, moving on here, still on uh, the prelims, uh, we had a, a submission by Rear Naked Choke in round three, Gavin Tucker over Justin, Chain, Justin Janes. Uh, good to see the governor uh, back in the win column again. I didn't really know how he was going to perform because he kind of had a bit of a layoff. Hasn't really been active over the last few years. Had some injuries. Janes was kind of putting it on him in that first round, but he just kind of gassed a little bit and then started to get, you know, started to take some strikes to the body, started to take some strikes to the head, and, you know, just really wasn't competitive the last two rounds. You know, he, he knocked Justin Janes around the cage, onto the cage, bouncing back and forth. Uh, probably could have finished it at the end of that second round where he was pretty wobbly. But, um, 
you know, it, it was tough. I mean, it, it was a talented kind of not very active fighter versus uh, a guy who, you know, really made a splash in his UFC debut versus Frank Camacho and clearly the more active fighter and, you know, just kind of didn't work out for Justin Janes uh, in, in this one. But I, I'd still be interested to see Justin Janes and what he can do uh, in his third time around here in the UFC. Uh, moving on, we had a unanimous decision victory for Yusuf Zalal over Peter Barrett. Uh, that guy's a fucking character, Yusuf Zalal. Uh, he's an interesting guy on interviews. Tremendous performance. Uh, what was it? The sp- oh, was it a spinning heel kick? He hit him with that. He, he, as Nick Diaz would say, uh, he hit him with some spinning shit early on. Uh, I forget what it was, but had him really rocked. They could have stopped that fight. Uh you know, but the fight kind of settled down a little bit, but Zalal was still in control every single minute of that fight. It just wasn't even really close. Um, so a good win for Zalal, only 23, um, but now 3-0 and in 2020. I mean, you know, Austin Lingo, Jordan Griffin, Peter Barrett, not necessarily murderer's row, you know what I mean? But this is a UFC newcomer to 2020, so... I don't know. I mean, you know, this kid's staying pretty active. Um, maybe he could get he could, he could he could he could get one more win in the UFC in 2020, and then if you're four and zero, I mean, this this guy really might be rookie of the year. I mean, Hamzat Chimaev might give him a run for his money, but you know, shit, I don't know, man. Three to decision victories in the UFC, so he might be rookie of the year. And you know, the heartening. Uh, the heartening thing for uh, Yusuf Salal, he's getting cage time. Three unanimous decision victories in the UFC. So that was kind of the thing with Edmund Shabazian, right? Where you go, well, this kid looks very promising. It's really nice that he has finishing ability, but it's it's tough to tell just how good you are when you finish all your opponents in the first round. I know that sounds redundant to say because, oh, wow, you're obviously so much better that that, that you finish these guys in, in round one, but you're not getting the cage time. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's a delicate it's a delicate balance, you know what I mean? You want to get wins as quickly as possible with as little as, uh, damage as possible, but that being said, sometimes it's better to have a long decision victory because it's more, it's more high-level cage time. I mean, you can't really find a substitution for, for things like this, so... You know, I, I think I think this will really help. May, I think this will really help Zalal. So maybe the finishing ability he doesn't necessarily possess right now, although he certainly had his moments versus Peter Barrett. You know, maybe the finishing finishing ability comes to Zalal in the next couple of years as he gets all this cage time. And you know, maybe it never comes. Maybe I'm just spitballing here. But you know, I I, I when I see somebody who is young and consistently getting decision wins in the UFC. I, I almost kind of like that more than getting, you know, stringing together a couple of quick finishes just because, I don't know, you didn't, you weren't just better in one moment. You were better for a series of moments. You were better for the round one moment. You were better for the round two moment. You know what I mean? You you, you were better over the, the series of moments. So I, I, I kind of almost appreciate the consistency a, a little more with something like that. Uh, and then on the prelims, the prelim opener, excuse me, uh, we had a split decision victory for Irwin Rivera over Ali Alkaisi. Um, that was a, that was a good fight, you know. Again, two guys with not super great records, not a whole lot of hype going into that fight, obviously. But 
Um, a solid, a solid victory. I don't know. I suppose you could make the case that Alkaisi won that fight. Um, but I, I do think Rivera, shit, I, it was tough because I wasn't scoring the fight as the fight was going on. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, I saw, I thought Alkaisi for sure won round number one. Nah, I mean, for the first 10 minutes of that fight, ah, it was just kind of a really close back and forth fight. I think what probably did it for Rivera was in the third round. He started taking Alkaisi down a little bit. Didn't really do a whole lot of work on the ground, but he was getting some takedowns and, and some control time. So a hard-fought split-decision victory for Rivera. Good for him. He, you know, he was the guy who came in on short notice a couple of, month, a couple of months ago uh, and got uh, took an L. Now, who did, he, who did he face? Oh, Giga Chikazi, that's right. So that's, that's a pretty tough matchup. You know, Chikazi's a, a very good stand-up striker, very good kickboxer. So on short notice, yeah, tough fight. And Ali Alkaisi, again, I'm not going to fucking pretend I knew this guy before the fight happened, but I'll certainly watch him again. I, I thought he I thought he performed valiantly, you know what I mean? So, again, I'd be lying to you if I was like, oh, wow, it's must-see TV when Alkaisi's on, 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 you know, ESPN. But, you know, next time I see him in a fight, I'll, I'll certainly know who he is. So, you know, he, he, he fought, he fought uh, a good fight. Also scary as fuck. Uh, he is a scary-looking guy. Now, I apologize if there's something medically wrong with him, uh, because that would be mean. Um, in, fairness, in fairness, I haven't done any research on that. Uh, maybe he has, uh, what do they call it, that Ryan Shazier has? Alopecia, maybe? Um, but he, he's, a, he's an intimidating-looking guy. Uh, I, I, I will say that much. Uh, he also fights uh, pretty meanly. So, uh, you know, interesting, interesting guy. Uh, but that's going to do it here for our uh, recap of UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Olenek. Uh, let's see what we're doing for time here. Okay, we're, we're, we're running a I wouldn't say late, but we got a good amount of show going on here. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on here very quickly um, is the NHL Draft Lottery. Uh, this, this is, oh, and I also have a prediction and I'll debut a, um, a sports sounder. Uh, so, uh, we'll quickly get to the NHL draft lottery and then we'll get to, uh, the mailman's spicy, spicy, spicy prediction. Um, but yeah, the, the NHL draft lottery, um, was last night. Uh, the New York Rangers won the, uh, draft lottery. So they get the first overall pick. So what is it? The, the, the eight teams that lost in the whatever the fuck they called it, the qualifying round of the playoffs, or I don't even know if they technically call that the playoffs. I guess just the qualifying round. Uh, so, like a month ago, it was determined that the the one of the losers in the qualifying round would win uh, the first overall pick. Each having each of those eight teams having a twelve point five percent chance of winning the pick. Um, I kind of hinted that. I got to choose my words carefully here, but I kind of hinted that maybe there was a potential that it could be rigged for the wild, just given the wild always sell out no matter how garbage the team is. So imagine how much money, how much more money you would make if the wild won the first overall pick. <clears throat> now, funny, funny that the New York fucking Rangers won the first overall pick. Kind of weird how the biggest market won the first overall pick. Now, I apologize for all you math nerds out here because obviously there was a 12.5% chance that this is totally legit. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not discounting the possibility that it's not rigged or not slanted or that there's not cold balls and that the, the Rangers just legitimately won the first overall pick. But I will say, kind of fucking weird. It's kind of weird. Who else were some of the teams that were in this? Kind of weird that, you know, what was it? Yeah, okay. Kind of, you know, if the Nashville Predators would have won the first overall pick, I would have gone, oh, okay, then it's totally legit. Why the fuck would they give? Because the the winner of the first overall pick gets Alexis Lafreniere. Okay, and this is a, a generational talent. This is a guy we've been talking about for two years, you know, as the first overall pick. So, you know what I mean? Not that there aren't other good players in this draft class, you know, like a Quentin Byfield or, or somebody like this. Um, but we, we all know that this kid is going to be the next big thing. So really, really fucking weird that the New York Rangers, the biggest market, got this guy. That, that, that's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Weird that the Hurricanes didn't win the pick. Weird that the Panthers didn't win the pick. Weird that the Winnipeg Jets didn't win the pick. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Personally, personally, in my own opinion, (laughs) being a politician here and looking out for the safety of me, personally, I think it's a legit possibility that the NHL draft lottery may have been rigged just gonna you can you can read between the lines and decipher what I'm saying here but you know what I mean I think it's a I think it's a distinct possibility that we can't rule out that you know they they made the Rangers win the the first overall pick uh kind of weird having to worry about what you say but you know I don't know that's fucking bullshit and that sucks because as a wild fan listen the wild are one of the worst teams of all time in the NHL at drafting. They fucking stink. So they got the ninth pick, and they'll potentially have the 15th pick uh, from the Penguins, from the Zucker trade. Now, the Penguins, I think, have a week to decide whether or not they give us uh, their 2020 pick, which would be the 15th pick, or the 2020 their 2021 pick. Um, I would imagine, I would imagine that the Penguins are going to give us their 2021 pick and not the 15th overall pick. Just because I would imagine the Penguins probably probably think that next year, if they can stay healthy, and uh, you know what I mean, that they they'll probably be a playoff team next year, which would mean that the pick would be in the twenties instead of fifteen. So I think I think they'll probably keep the fifteenth pick, but the Wild will waste this fucking pick. They'll draft another Colton Gillies or a Tyler Kuma or a James Shepard or a AJ Thelen or a Benoit Pouliot or a. <sighs> Any other first-round picks, are just, they just suck, dude. They're a Zach Phillips. They're going to waste the ninth overall pick. But if they would have had the first overall pick, then they would not have wasted their pick because it's already set in stone that Lafreniere would be the first overall pick. So the only way the Wild can get better is if they get the first overall pick because then there's no fucking way they can screw it up. But ninth overall pick? Oh, dude, they'll just draft another Philip Johansson, you know, another guy who the, the director of hockey in that region said he had no idea who that guy was and you just spent like the 22nd pick on this guy so oh fuck me dude that is unfortunate for the wild um but we'll move on from that maybe we'll talk about that with drew peterson hopefully when next time he's on the show but that's unfortunate uh moving on here the mailman has the mailman has a spicy prediction here uh so i i will play the new hot sports take sounder. 
Tactical sports take. Inbound. So I know this is a little premature because it's UFC 254 and this is not until October. But here on August 11th, I want to put this out into the ether. I want this to be known. I want this to be known so when it happens, you know what I mean? The mailman can say, I told you so. Because, you know, the mailman always delivers. So I was carrying around my mailbag today. And I noticed that I've been delivering. I always deliver. I'm the mailman. But I noticed there was a package stuck in my satchel. And I was like, oh, that's weird. It's kind of a big one. I I don't know how I missed it. It's pretty heavy. Probably, I don't know. I mean, whoever ordered this package, I mean, they definitely paid extra on the stamps. Because I I, I don't know the delineation for, you know, the the increase in in stamps. You know what I mean? But when you're delivering heavy packages, you know what I mean? you got to pay extra. So it was kind of, you know, this wasn't just an envelope that was stuck in the mailbag. You know, this was a legit package, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know what's inside, you know. It's it's probably the size of an Xbox. Um, and I opened it up today, and it said, Justin Gaethje, Justin the Highlight Gaethje, will defeat the undefeated Russian Khabib Nurmagomedov at UFC 254. And I thought, wow, that's a fucking hot sports take. Obviously, why we played the hot sports take sounder. So, I just wanted to put that out there. The mailman believes. The mailman believes that Justin Gaethje, in his current form, you know, the way he fought Tony Ferguson, absolutely stellar. His current form, when he fights Khabib, stylistically, that's going to be a great matchup. I mean, stylistically, Khabib's a terrible matchup for everybody, but I think he's the least terrible matchup for Gaethje. Very good defensive wrestler. He's going to leg kick the shit out of him. Uh, he's willing to die in the octagon. I mean, it's it takes a lot to knock him out. I don't... Th- I, anything's possible, but I don't think Khabib could knock out Gaethje. I mean, dude, he's just got a thick head. You know what I mean? Um, so I think he'll just wear on him. I think he'll outstrike him. Uh, I, I think he could, as much as someone could hope, negate Khabib's offensive wrestling... You know what I mean? I don't think anybody's ever going to truly stop Khabib's wrestling, but I think if somebody could, if 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 there was anybody to, oh, well, I, I guess I'm struggling for words here, but if there's anybody to, to nullify it the most, I think it could be uh, uh, Justin Gaethje. So uh, that's the hot sports take from the mailman because he always delivers. I'm delivering Justin Gaethje. Don't be surprised. I told you guys. I told you guys. Justin Gaethje will unify the lightweight belt versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. He will hand him his first loss ever. I'm not, at this point, willing to say the method. So I'm not going to say Gaethje finishes him. It could be a five-round decision. I think right now, the, the, the default with what I'm leaning towards is that it's a five-round, deci- uh, five-round decision. Uh, I'm not, so I'm not going to be so bold to say, oh, he knocks him out in the third round. But I think Gaethje wins. I think Gaethje wins. So, you know, uh, I'm throwing you assholes a bone. So don't ever say the mailman doesn't deliver rain or shine. You know what I mean? Because he, he's always delivering. But uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show here. So uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, uh, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN, the mailman at Owen the mailman, uh, and our website, our awesome website, NorthStarSports.media. You can check out our rankings. You know, we, we always got updated rankings the night of the fights. 
you know, we don't wait on our rankings. We do the rankings the night of, you know what I mean? So, you know, shout out to our Chinese listeners. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't think we've said anything controversial about the Chinese government that would get us blocked uh, from being available in China. Or maybe you guys got a firewall or something that you're tuning in. Uh, but I appreciate it. You know, we're, we're an international show here. You know what I mean? This, this show is for anybody. You know what I mean? So obviously our, our demographics skew American. You know what I mean? The greatest country in the world. But you know what I mean? We, we got some Canadian listeners. We got some, some listeners out there in, in the Philippines. A big, I'm a big respecter of the Philippines. A big respecter of the Philippines. Um, not not to get political, but maybe not a big supporter of their president. But, you know, the Filipino people are very nice people. Very respectable people. You know what I mean? We got some, some Chinese listeners, some Canadian listeners. Um, yeah, actually, I don't know. I probably could pull up the demographics here. I, see, I, I always love looking at stuff like this because, you know, it's, it's just interesting. You know what I mean? Back, back in the day... You know, when radio was a thing before podcasting, I mean, you're just broadcasting to your local market, you know what I mean? Which is, is fair enough, you know what I mean? That's, I mean, this certainly is a Minnesota show, so it's kind of weird when international people tune into a, a, a Minnesota show, but obviously, you know, UFC is international, so, you know, there, there's certainly enough to, to go around here. But with that, we'll, we'll officially wrap up the show, so thanks for tuning in, everybody.